And here is why we can rejoice as God calls us into worship with these words from the psalmist. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. May we proclaim this with the richness and the abundance of God's faithfulness ringing in our hearts as we join our voices in giving God praise. Let those who are able stand, but come now together. Let us all worship the living God. Choir and praise team, this is an emotional morning for me already, and you guys have got me on the edge of tears, and I gotta make it till July, so would you, gosh. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for every one of you, and I hope you're grateful for being here in this this setting. I sure am. God is so good. Listen to how we hear of, of God's amazing, practical giving to us as we continue in John's gospel looking at how there is plenty for everyone. In John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, and uh, This is about some people getting to eat a whole lot, so it's really perfect for today. And this doesn't happen just once in Scripture. It happens over and over again as a sign that we belong to a God who does this again and again and again every day, filling us up to overflowing. Listen to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. God's Word. After this, after Jesus has told about his identity as being the God of gods. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. Sometimes we hear it called Gennesaret. It's the shape of a harp, which is what Gennesaret means, the harp. A large crowd kept following Jesus because they saw the signs he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover the Jew, festival of the Jews was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered Jesus, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, said to Jesus, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all, which is probably about 10,000 people because they they just numbered the men. They didn't number the children and the women, so there were over 10,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, let me repeat that, when they were satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. 
So they gathered them up from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. They filled 12 baskets, 12 tribes of Israel, enough for everyone. When the people saw the sign that Jesus had done, they began to say, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God take this blessing and feed us, and may we be filled and satisfied because it is God's word to us. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, you have called us to this place to hear your word, to this time to be filled up by it, and so we pray that your good news would come now and find us each and all not only in word, but in power, in your Holy Spirit, and with, therefore, the assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, and you are our salvation. All these things we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. In the interest of good reporting, I think we need to, before we go anywhere into this word, ask ourselves, who was there? As I said, probably 10,000 people. Why were they there? They were on their way to the Passover. They were looking for that hope. What did they want? Salvation. Newness of life. What did they need? The one who encountered them. Recently, our friend, Pastor Chuck Swindoll, shared a, a devotional on what is the greatest feeling. He and his sister, Lucy, were debating over that, and uh, Lucy said the feeling of relief. <sighs> we can all relate to that. And Chuck argued, no accomplishment, getting something checked off. That's the difference between a man and a woman, relief that the guy's got his jobs done. Well, there's lots of good feelings. There are a lot of things we could, we could put there in terms of what's our greatest feeling, our greatest satisfaction. But that's just it. God has led us to this particular passage on this particular day, on the threshold of what we call Thanksgiving. And in it, I believe, he has called us to that sense of being satisfied. And some days it's going to be relief. there's enough. And some days it's going to be accomplishment. Hey, I was able to do that. But most of all, God has called us to realize we will be satisfied no matter what is going on because of the Lord being our salvation, just like the choir sang for us. But then and now, then and now, in this time this was written and, and today, We live in a world that does not change. We live in a world that stuffs itself. Stuffs itself, not just with food, but things, ideas, sensations. And once it has, belts out a chorus of Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones song, I can't get no satisfaction. Because no matter how much we partake of the world's stuff, 
No matter how much we get of what we think we've just got to have, it's never enough to really satisfy us. And once again, God shows us in that that we don't have what we need because we are missing the most essential thing that God is offering. God is offering us himself every day, in every circumstance, no matter what's going on. My hope is in Jesus, the praise team sang for us this morning. There God is saying, I know what you need. I know when someone's house is burned down. I know when someone's heart has been broken. I know when someone is frustrated or lonely or tired or hungry or all the sensations. I know, God says, and I will satisfy you as long as you have life and beyond. I will satisfy you, God says. You see, when we are satisfied, we will know we don't need anything else. And we will only know that we don't need anything else We will only know that when our lives are continually in relationship, deepening every day, all the time, with what it means to belong, body and soul, in life and in death, Heidelberg Catechism, not to ourselves, but to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has has freed us from the dominion of the devil. You see, we will not... Stop trying to get one more serving, as good as it may be, until we realize we've already been served the greatest thing of all, and that is relationship with the God of the universe, who has restored us to himself through the life and death and resurrection, the shed blood on the cross of his own son. Now, that day, Jesus took the disciples away from all the busyness they had been experiencing in order to learn what it means to really be satisfied. He took them away from that over to the, the mouth of the Jordan where the, where the Jordan pours into the Sea of Galilee. And I, I'm looking around and some of you have been there right there with me, you know, right where we, we were. It's, it's a beautiful spot. It's grassy to this day. People kayak down it. There's meadows there. And he did that because he said, I want you to know what it means to be satisfied. He knew the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in. And so he did. Do we belong to a practical God or what? He's fulfilling that. And what happened? Busyness found them. The crowd found them. They were trying to have a little retreat, a little time of (sighs) relief. And they were found by the crowd. Isn't that how it goes? Just when you think you found a quiet place, the phone calls with another political ad. Aren't we glad that season's over? Now it's just infomercials. A crowd in the boondocks, an invasion. Why? Well, because these people, as I've said, were on their way to looking for what they thought they really had to have. They were on their way to the Passover. They were taken a long way around. There's a a big explanation as to why they were doing that. They were trying to avoid the Samaritans again. And they were trying to get to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, that place where they thought they would finally have enough if they would just do 
that ritual right without realizing God had already done that ritual right. He was the one who had provided the Passover. I, I kind of think Jesus knew the way they were going. I really do. He, he, knew the, he knew the way. He knew that they would be trying to avoid Samaria. He, he knew that they would have to get to Jerusalem, and he knew, boys, we're going to sail across four miles of the Galilee. Some of you have sailed across that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And we're going to plant ourselves down here. We're going to have some time to talk through what it means to really be shalom, peace, satisfaction for people, because they're going to come and find us. I kind of think he knew that, because he was the consummate teacher. He was looking for that teachable moment. I think that's why he asked Philip where they would get enough bread to feed them all. John even tells us after the fact, Jesus asked him this because he wanted to see what Philip would say. He was putting him to the test. The reality is, Jesus knew the answer. You know why? Because he is the answer. Jesus is the answer. You know, there used to be an, uh, a bumper sticker that said, Jesus is the answer, and some cynical people got a bumper sticker and said, well, what's the question? The question is, why are you not satisfied? Jesus is the answer because he is the satisfaction. But Philip was like us. Jesus says, where are we going to get enough bread for all these people? And Philip comes up with a profit loss statement. He comes up with a feasibility study, and he goes, this is impossible. You know how many people are here. There's no Costco. There's no bakery. Oh, we don't have that kind of dough anyway. Oh, there's a good play on words. We don't have that kind of dough. <laughs> don't we do that? Don't we say, Jesus, there's not enough dough. It's not rising. We, we don't have what it takes. It's just not going to work. The situation is impossible. But then there's Andrew, Peter's bro little brother. They're from Bethsaida, not very far from that. And, and you know, Andrew's a pretty interesting guy. He was always bringing people to Jesus. Remember the Greeks come later on in, uh, in John chapter 12, and they say, we want to see Jesus. And, and Andrew goes, oh, come on, I'll show you. Or, or he brings Nathaniel to Jesus. He goes, come, look, let me show you who I, we found the Messiah. So here's Andrew. He's always bringing people to Jesus. And who does he bring? Out of this crowd of 10,000 people, Jesus says, hey, Philip, what are we going to do to feed these people? Andrew goes, uh, uh, Jesus, um, maybe this little kid has the answer. Aren't we, aren't we grateful for Andrew's audacity? That he would say, uh, maybe this little kid with five crackers and two sardines, because that's literally what it was. Five, five dried up crackers and a couple of sardines is enough for 10,000 people? Go, maybe he does have the answer, Jesus. And I realize I need to be more like Andrew. I need to be more like Andrew. I need to say, Jesus, this situation looks impossible. And this is all I got. This is all the energy I've got. It's all the emotion I've got. So these are all the resources I've got. See, there's the I. And I need to say, Jesus, what have you got? This is what I've got. And let him fill in the difference. I had no plan of telling you what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I was a little kid. I was like six years old. No, I was maybe not even that old. And, and I wanted something at the shopping center across the street, so I walked across the street with all the money from my piggy bank. 
And, and I grabbed what I wanted and I put it on the counter, because I'd seen people do this. I'm, I'm big, you know, I know how to do this transaction stuff. I don't need my mom and dad. And the clerk looks down at me and she counts out the money. She goes, that's not enough. Get out of here, kid. That's all, I, it was all I had. I just, I gave you everything I had. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. That's why I'm telling you about it. Over my shoulder reaches a hand I don't know if I ever turned around and looked or said, thank you, I was just so amazed. Places the balance on the counter, fills it up, and she counts it, and she goes, you're good, get out of here. That hand was the hand of God's grace, saying, you give me everything you've got, and I'll fill in the difference. I need to be more like Andrew. I need to be someone who brings my lunch to Jesus. All that I've got might just be five crackers and two sardines. May not even be that good. And I need to let Jesus multiply my lunch and make the difference, not just for me, but beyond me. That's what we're celebrating today. This holy place is the result of God multiplying what his kids, you all, brought to him. Now, I learned this from so many of you, some of, some of whom have already gone before us to that great banquet feast with the Lord. I saw some of them in the pictures this morning. It just choked me up. But the reality is you brought your lunch. Mike Martinkus brought $20,000 worth of aluminum in cans. He got us to crushed cans. That's why I was in the dumpster. Mike and I were out collecting that day, Bonnie. Vaughn, the late Vaughn Peak, Bill and Diane, he brought a 1935 outboard motor in. We go, what are we going to do with this? We put it on eBay. It was worth $900. We bring our lunch to Jesus, and he makes the difference. I learned this from so many of you. But I learned it about sharing my lunch with Jesus from another little kid a long, long time ago when I was a youth pastor. Every month we would take junior and senior high youth to work at a soup kitchen in downtown San Diego at the First Presbyterian Church where hundreds and hundreds of homeless people would line up around the block of this huge church for a hot meal every Sunday afternoon. And every month when we went, there was one little kid who was not even in elementary school who always wanted to tag along to go with the big kids. Well, that day, we, so we took her along. And that day, the bakery had a mountain of leftover rolls and bread, so that the trays each had bread on them, but then there was a mountain of rolls and bread on this table, like the baskets in this parable, 12 baskets all filled up. And that little kid got up on that table, about this big, up to her knees in bread and rolls, and started hollering in this great big room, bigger than the Family Life Center, hollering as people were finishing their meal and starting to walk out onto the street with all their worldly possessions in their backpacks, started hollering, take all that you want, 
Take all that you need. There's lots of bread for everyone. Come on over. Take all that you want. Take all that you need. And I don't have permission this morning to tell you who that little kid grew up to be, but she's taking care of patients on the medical surgical ward this morning. You see, the whole world, the whole world is lined up around the building, starving and hungry, the devastated of paradise. There's an ironic turn of phrase, isn't it? The devastated of paradise. The power brokers of our world, the oppressed everywhere. We all need to be stopped on our way to where we think we need to be and brought to Jesus and told to sit down and receive what only he can give. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus does at this table when we listen to him. John tells us that Jesus took the loaves, five crackers and two fish. That's all he had. He took them. He blessed them. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu. Blessed art thou, O Lord, God of the universe, who brings forth bread. He blessed them and broke them and gave them to the 10,000 who were seated, John tells us, as much as they wanted. And John tells us what? They were satisfied. They were satisfied. They had everything. Finally. I wonder how many of them even went on to Jerusalem. They said, this is the prophet who's come into the world. We don't need to go anywhere else. And I have to wonder how long since we gave our lunch to Jesus? How long since we let ourselves be led to him and realize that who we are is exactly who Jesus wants to bless and make a blessing from? You see, that is Jesus' whole point and why John wrote this down. Jesus wants us to sit down and let him have our lunch who we are and what we think and what little we think we have. And he wants us to discover, as we do, how he changes us into people who have more and are more than we ever thought we could have and could be. Because we have him. Because we have relationship with him. There's nothing missing. And we get to show that to a world that is missing everything. And we have him. Why? Because he first had us. Because he came and let himself be sacrificed. And as a foreshadowing of what he would do, said in this day, take, eat. Thank you, Lord. You know, I think Jesus was a Presbyterian. You know why? Because this was the first potluck that there ever was. And we're the potluck kings and queens. I think he said, kid, guess what? Your initials are this. You get to bring the main course. And how like Jesus. How like Jesus. Even though he was the main course, he let this kid be the hero. Everybody said, where did all this food come from? Oh, this little kid. He brought five crackers and two sardines. And that's what we're all eating? Yeah, he did. How like Jesus to make us the hero. 
And I think for years in the Galilee, people said, hey, hey, there he is. There he is. Remember that day 10,000 people got fed? That most satisfying meal that any of us have ever had? That's the guy. That's the guy who gave his lunch to the teacher, and all of us got fed. Remember that? People are still saying it. There are a lot of starving people out there, my friends. Some of them are just over the mountain in paradise. John and Jane, our prayers are with Siggy and David, and God bless you. I know that you're going to be headed over there as our ambassadors soon. Some of the starving people are just over the mountain, and some of them are right outside the door of this building and outside the doors of our homes, and we encounter them all the time. Some of them have an empty belly, but all of us have an empty heart until we are encountered in our busyness and our starvation by the amazing way that Jesus Christ takes hold of us and fills us to satisfaction so that we see there really is plenty, not only for everyone, but for everything in every one of us. That's what Jesus does in this every day. When we are experiencing this grace, it changes everything. You know why? Because it changes us. It changes our whole perspective. It takes away fear. It fills us with gratitude such that we realize who we are and what we have is just what is needed in every circumstance because of Jesus. We get to give our lunch to Jesus and let him change everything every day. What does that look like? What does that look like in everyday practical language to give our lunch away to Jesus? Let me finish with this and give you an example. It happened Friday. It happened just this last Friday. But I think it can happen. I know it can happen. I know it does happen every day. As we let Jesus change our hearts to hear him ask us, how are we going to feed these people? How are we going to step into this situation where somebody's hurting and longing and empty and starving? Nancy was in Walmart making last-minute preparations to get all of our Operation Christmas Child boxes ready for delivery. She was in the restroom when a mom with a very upset little boy, about three, came in. He, he was just beside himself, sobbing. He'd had an accident. He'd wet his pants. He was devastated. He wouldn't be consoled. He kept sobbing. The, the mom, God bless her, was doing a great job to try to console him and, and do all she could to, to get him comfortable when Nancy realized because you, yes, you all, have been so generous in preparing her boxes. What in the world did she have in her car? Little boys, age two to four, Mickey Mouse underwear that had not been opened because there was more than was enough. And instead of being afraid that she might embarrass the mom, Nancy said, hi, I'm a mom. Looks like you could use some help. Guess what I have in my car? Brand new little boy's underwear, size age two to four. Could I go get them for you? And the mom looked at Nancy and she said, are you, are you serious? And Nancy said, yes, I'm the children's ministry director at the Presbyterian Church and we're doing Christmas boxes. 
and I have extra because God knew this was going to happen. See, we go nowhere by accident. <laughs> so Nancy went and got them, and the little boy was comforted, and his mom was blessed, and they got blessed because you and Nancy shared your lunch with Jesus. And as the mom and the little boy walked out of the restroom, get this true, true story, another woman said to the mom, did that lady just give your little boy brand new underwear? Yeah, she said. She just happened to have it. Can you believe it? Take all you want. Take all you need, my friends. We can't outgive the one who is the Passover gift. Let's never forget it. And may it leave us forever satisfied as we bring others to have lunch and to share lunch with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, we need simply to be your kids. Never so prideful or so sophisticated or afraid that we don't just say, well, here, this is what I've got. Take me. Use me. Multiply who I am and what I have to do with me, whatever you want to do. Lord, let us be grateful for that. Let us be filled with the delight of being your agents of salvation and hope. And let us experience that hope and make that known for your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen.